up and she wanted something and Terry said, we, we don't have the money for that right now. And, and Haley said, well, just go to the bank and get some. You know, we can say to our kids, I don't have the money for that right now, but in heaven's bank are all the resources that we need to live life on a daily basis. Scripture tells us that God is inscrutable. That's, that's a big word. It, it simply means that only God can tell us what he is like. And so he uses images and metaphors and, and uh figures of speech to tell us what he's like, and you trace it all the way through the scripture. Uh, sometimes he's a still, small voice. Sometimes he rolls in thunder. He spoke to Moses out of a burning bush. He came like fire on the altar with Elijah. Israel was led by the pillar of fire and the pillar of cloud. Uh, the temple, there was fire on the altar. You see fire a lot in an image of God. The problem is, the world looks at the church and sees no fire burning within our hearts. And they see us responding the same way they do to every crisis and to every circumstance. And they run around like chickens with their heads cut off, and we run around like chickens with our heads cut off, and have no evidence of the hope that is within us, of the power that is available to us. Then Jesus said, when he showed up, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. He said, I speak for the Father. I don't say anything that doesn't come from the Father. So Jesus says, if you want to know what God looks like, here's what he looks like. He looks like me. He acts like me. He does what I do in your midst. And they still didn't fully get it. And so Jesus said things like this, that he's going to send the Holy Spirit. And when the Spirit comes, he will convict of sin, of judgment, and of righteousness. Now, now we, we like that in some ways, in some ways we don't. We don't like the convicting work of the Holy Spirit. But he also said that the Spirit would come as a comforter. Jesus said, I'm leaving... And they're thinking, what are, what are we going to do if Jesus is gone? But I'm sending a comforter. What Jesus was helping us to understand is Jesus physically could not be in every place at every time. But Jesus in the power of the Holy Spirit can be everywhere, anytime. He is with us. And so deity came to men to fill them. That happened at Pentecost, when the fire fell, the flames of the fire fell on their heads, were seen on their heads, but the real work was what was going on on the inside of them. The Holy Spirit was filling them from the inside. Now, in the Old Testament, the Spirit of God came on certain people at certain times, but then He was not always on them. But in the New Testament, we live on the other side of the cross, and the Spirit comes to indwell us, to stay with us. So let's look at the Holy Spirit of promise. The Holy Spirit of promise. 
The Holy Spirit did not come to make me a better person or to improve and give me some version of my old self. The Holy Spirit did not come to change a few habits in my life. The Holy Spirit came to empower me to live a life that I could not live any other way. Uh, we sing a lot of songs about victory, and they may or may not have the word victory in them, but they are implied. You know, Christ is victorious, and, and Christ makes us vi victorious. And I think we would have to be honest that most of those songs sound really good and we like to sing them, but by the time we get to our car, we're already walking in defeat. And I do not believe that's what the Bible says God intended. The fullness of the Spirit does not refer to a gift. It refers to His character. The fullness of the Spirit is the character of Christ in the life of the believer, doing in us and for us and through us what we could never do in the strength of our flesh. Now, now remember these disciples. I mean, they've had a three-year seminary course of one-on-one time with Jesus, and they have seen miracles, and they have heard his teachings, and they have seen power. They've even gone out and done miracles. But before Pentecost, Jesus left them and said, you go lock the door and you pray and don't do anything until the Spirit comes. Now that right there disqualifies the average Baptist church. Because the minute we think Jesus is gone, we call a committee meeting and go, we need to do something. Somebody needs to do something. Who do you know? Who do you know? Let's, let's vote on it. Let's vote on it. Let's, let's figure this out. Because we do not believe that if we wait for God, that God will show up. We really don't believe that. And so left to ourselves, we say, now God, just step aside. We realize you're a little slow. You've been around for thousands of years. And we got stuff to go, places to go, people to meet. We got to get moving. And you're not moving at our rate. So we need to get in control here. That's what people do. To be empowered by the Spirit is to live the Christ's life. It's a touch from heaven. These disciples had been with Jesus, but he said, pray and wait. Why? Because although they knew a lot, they did not have the power to face persecution that was coming. Nor did they have the power in their strength to fulfill the Great Commission. The two things we need are the power to face persecution in whatever form it comes in, to be salt and light, to be Christ in this world, and to fulfill the Great Commission. And you can have taken every evangelism course that is offered, and it still does not empower you to share the gospel. The power for sharing the gospel comes from the Holy Spirit. And as they were praying, the Spirit came down on them. Now, I want you to notice something about the prayers that were happening at Pentecost. They're praying and they're waiting. They're praying and they're waiting. They're waiting and they're praying. And when the Spirit comes in Acts chapter 2, He does not come in answer to their prayers. 
He comes in answer to the prayer of Jesus. I have prayed, and I am praying, and I am leaving, and I will send you another comforter, another of the same kind. I'm leaving. He's going to come. In the Old Testament, the Spirit came on people. In the New Testament, He comes in us. And when He comes in us, that brings power and wonder and joy and praise and conviction and peace. I like the way one old author who's now in glory says it. Our problem is we are living on the right side of the cross but living on the wrong side of Pentecost. We believe in the resurrection of Jesus, but we don't really believe in the power of the Holy Spirit. We believe that God raised Jesus from the dead, but we don't believe that in an actual daily way that changes and influences how we act and how we live. And the reason the church has no power is because we don't understand the power that we have. Here's a caution. Don't operate your Christian life based on your temperament. Well, I'm outgoing. I just get out there and just get it done. Or on your temperament. I'm a little more reserved. I just don't like to bring any attention to myself. Operate your Christian life on the power of the Holy Spirit. It's not about you. It's about Christ in you. The hope of glory. The church can't run on human methods and on human power. We cannot run a heavenly institution by fleshly efforts. Jesus came to give us all authority. And all authority was given unto him, and all power that we need comes through the Holy Spirit. We cannot run on the energy of the flesh. I have pastors ask me all the time, and, and people have, why are churches dying? Because they don't believe in the power of prayer, and they don't believe in the power of the Holy Spirit. People will gather today at 11 o'clock sharp and end at 12 o'clock dull and the church will give up her dead and they will maybe have had their preferences met by the translation that the preacher uses or the songs that were picked out to sing, but there is no evidence of power. And so people drive by our churches and see the names of our churches and are never curious to say, is there anything there for me? Because when we get out, we don't give any evidence that there was anything there for us. That it changed us. Jesus promised a Holy Spirit who would give us power that we cannot produce. He is the Holy Spirit of purpose. He's the Holy Spirit of purpose. First of all, for conversion. You can't get saved without the Holy Spirit. I don't care how much you do or how much you know or how many books of the Bible you memorize. The condition for the Holy Spirit is that you must be born again. You must be saved. He is the agent of salvation. He points me to the Savior, Romans 8, 9. He convicts me of sin, 
John 16, 8. He quickens me to life, John 6, 63. He seals me in Christ, Ephesians 1, 13. He came to live inside of me. When, the, when I got saved, I got all of the Holy Spirit. Now, I know there are theological debates about this, and people can just choose to be wrong. But if you read your Bible in context, not picking out the verses that say what you want them to say. Paul did not write one letter to one church and say, now, I I gave the Colossians a little bit of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to give the Ephesians a a different part of the Holy Spirit. There's difference in gifting, but there's not difference in indwelling. The Spirit comes to indwell us. The problem is, He doesn't get all of us. We get all of him. But he doesn't get all of us. Colossians chapter 2 and verse 9. In him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And you are complete in him. All means all. All is from the Father. All is in the Son. All is by the Spirit. James A. Stewart said, It is only as a believer allows the Holy Spirit to take full possession of his life that he will be able to enjoy fully the riches and glory of his salvation. Secondly, not only just for conversion, but for consecration or sanctification or holy living. The Bible tells us in Galatians 5.16, we walk in the Spirit. In Ephesians 5.18, we are to be filled with the Spirit. In 1 Thessalonians 5.19, we should not quench the Spirit. In Ephesians 4.13, we should not grieve the Spirit. Again, we do not get the Holy Spirit of God on an installment plan, but we can be indwelt and not be full. Not be full. There's a difference in going to a gas pump and saying, I want $2 of gas and going to the gas pump and topping it off. And some of us are $2 a day Christians. We'll get enough gas to get me through today. Then we're going to come back tomorrow and get enough gas. And, And God is saying, I've got enough for you. I can fill your tank. And why are we running on fumes when we can roll with power? We have a once-for-all indwelling, but we need a continual filling. There is no once-for-all filling. Well, I prayed, I remember it's, you know, 1832. I, I prayed to be filled with the Spirit. I've been filled ever since. That's not what the Bible says. Be continually filled. Be daily filled. Why? Because we all have leaks. Fill one day, got a leak the next day. Uh Uh-oh, somebody did something, said something, I did something, said something, something didn't go my way, and all of a sudden, I'm on Facebook ripping somebody apart. That is not the evidence of a spirit-filled Christian. I tell you what, I'm going to give them a piece of my mind. Don't think you can afford to be that generous. 
Hear the seven deadly words. I will do it for you, Jesus. Can I just tell you something? Would you resign from trying to help God out? Remember, Charles Lowry always comes and makes us put our hands over our heart that we resign as general manager of the universe. And a lot of us, when we preach, when we teach, when we sing, when we serve, what we're doing is that I'm just helping Jesus out. I'm just helping. Jesus doesn't need your help. He needs your surrender. He needs your surrender. The three words that will change your life is I surrender all. Lord, my gifts, my strengths, my weaknesses. Listen, your strengths are no help to God. In fact, sometimes you depend on your strengths, and I depend on my strengths more than I depend on the Spirit. And my weaknesses are no hindrance to God. He can fill up what is lacking in my life. This is not about a second blessing. This is a continual blessing that must be appropriated and applied. There is a truth that liberated me a number of years ago and helped me to move beyond performance-centered Christianity. God expects nothing from me but failure. If we could help, if we could assist him, he didn't need to come from heaven to die And he didn't need to send his Holy Spirit to help us. I will send you a helper. I'm just going to help Jesus out here. Just quit trying to help him out and just let him help you. You see, I don't have to live in failure and I don't have to live in defeat, but I cannot meet the expectations of God and his word in the strength of my flesh by trying harder, by turning over a new leaf, by making a New Year's resolution. I can't help God out. Now, religious people can, but Christ-centered people understand that apart from me, I can do Nothing. The Christian life is a moment-by-moment cleansing, and it is a moment-by-moment filling. I need Him to fill me. And a lot of days, there are some days more than once. Some days it's like I lose count. I lose count because I realize I'm in battles and I'm in pressures and I'm in situations, and, and I need the filling of the Holy Spirit on an ongoing basis. Alan Redpath said, when I have all of Jesus and he has all of me and I yield myself, then he fills what I am prepared to empty. He fills what I am prepared to empty. Romans 5.10 talks about the fact that we are saved by his life. And a lot of us understand salvation and are grateful for salvation that we are saved from hell. But his salvation is more than that. His salvation is a, is a Christ-centered life where we have the power to live and to love and to have peace and to have joy in the here and now. And then there's the Holy Spirit for personal power. God's standard for the Christian life is fullness. In this act of abandonment, of surrender, I need his power. I need his power to renew my mind. 
I need his power to discern. I need his power to surrender. I need his power in my marriage. I need his power in my parenting. I need his power in my decision-making. I need his power in my career choices. Now, here's where we get it wrong. I just need the Holy Spirit for the big ones. I can figure out the rest of it myself. It's just the big stuff. I can figure out the rest of it myself. I just need the Holy Spirit to tell me who to marry. You need the Holy Spirit to tell you who to date, too. I just need the Holy Spirit to help me while I'm driving. You also need the Holy Spirit to tell you when to stop. You see, it's not just the big decisions. And one of the reasons why we do not walk in revival and why we walk in anxiety and in fear is we have limited God to the big stuff. Well, since when did we decide what the big stuff is? Who gave us the right to decide, well, this is big and this is little? You see, there's a danger in saying you're a Christian, but never walking in a fresh encounter with the Lord. My wife went to the grocery store this week to stock up on some stuff. There was no storm coming, so we didn't buy milk. But we were out of mayonnaise, and so she bought a jar of mayonnaise, and so... I think it was Friday, she said, uh, you want a sandwich? So she said, sure. And she'd gotten this jar of mayonnaise at this grocery store. You know, you check the expiration dates on things, and, but you know, not all stuff like that. And she picked up the brand new jar of mayonnaise that she had just bought, and it was past way, way, say way, way past the expiration date. Now, why is it we think we can live on a power that was good for that moment, but we need a new power for this moment? That power for that event has expired. We need a fresh power, a fresh touch from God. I think it was Stephen Alford who said, uh, or maybe it was Alan Redpath, I don't remember, who said people say we're... Well, you teach a second blessing. He said, oh, no, I don't teach a second blessing. He said, I I teach a third, a fourth, a fifth, a sixth, a daily, a moment-by-moment blessing because that's how much I need Jesus. You see, Redpath said, when I have all of Jesus and he has all of me, (laughs) and I yield myself, then, and I would say, and only then, he fills me what I am prepared to empty. Are we not a wall in this battle? Are we not a wall in this battle? I mean, let me just ask you. In the past week, how much stuff have you said about what's going on in our country that was not initiated by the Holy Spirit? How much stuff have you posted on your social media that was not initiated by the Holy Spirit? I've had people call me and say, we're just trying to get people to vote. I said, I'm trying to get people to surrender. 
See, my job is not to get you to vote. My job is to get you to die to yourself and get over yourself and live in the power of the Spirit. And then under the power of the Spirit, do what God says. But my job is not to get you to act in a certain way. My calling is to fill this pulpit with the name of Jesus Christ and no other name because he's the only name that reigns. He was on the throne this morning. He's going to be on the throne next Sunday. And it doesn't matter how you voted. He's still large and he's still in charge. And nobody is going to take his place. And if we would ever, ever, ever learn to live like that, we might have revival and might not be in the mess we're in. We got programs and Bible studies and events, but we lack power. And until we take God at his word and walk in his power, we will not see all he has for us in Christ. We are more afraid of holiness than we are of sin. The end of self begins with surrender, and the beginning of power is in surrender. I got to thinking about this in, in Acts chapter 2. Remember, Jesus said, you know, go off and go in that room and pray. And I've been in an upper room that's somewhere in the general area where they were, and I'm glad we don't know exactly where it was because we'd all go have a prayer meeting and try to have recreate Pentecost and we'd worship a site. It's not about the site, it's about what happened in that site. The site can be gone and we can be uncertain. There could be a no X marks the spot, but what happened in that place is irrefutable. They prayed and the spirit came down on them and guess what happened? The people around started coming to find out what was going on. You see, the church prayed and the world came to see what was happening. By and large, the church in America is prayerless and the world could care less what's happening inside our doors. Can I just give you a thought here? God can draw people that no event can draw. God can draw people. You get God all over a group of people. You get a group of believers filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. And I want to tell you something. God will draw people that we can't draw. We can hand out brochures until the cows come home. But God will draw people that we cannot draw into church because His Spirit will compel them to come in. The only thing that can change the course of our lives, the course of the church, the course of this nation, is the gospel. God can bring every false god to the ground, and one day he will, ultimately. God can bring every leader to their knees. God can use people like you and me, just folks, to change the world, but we have to die daily. And we have to seek Him daily. And we have to daily be filled with the Holy Spirit. Oswald Chambers said, Some people imagine that a Christian is expected to do exceptional things in unusual circumstances. The fact is, the Christian is expected to be an exceptional person in usual circumstances.
The whole purpose of the coming of the Spirit is to release the life of Christ in us, to make us like Christ, to reproduce His life in us. He, he did not come to tune up our old self. He came to give us a new motor to operate on. This is not a replacement plan. This is a brand new overhaul. You know, some of us, quite honestly, because we've all, uh, most of you have been around long enough to know this, some of us are like those stinking robocalls that we get all the time. Hello. We are calling about your warranty on your card. This is the last call we have been trying to reach you. And, you know, and I, what I, there's a lot of things I want to do in that moment that, that I don't, don't do. But some of us are living like our warranty has run out and we're waiting for God to call from heaven and give us something new, some new experience. Listen, he's already given you what you need. Your warranty doesn't run out. His warranty of his word does not run out. He didn't say what he said in the scriptures and then put a parenthesis or an asterisk by it and say, except if you live in Albany, Georgia or Southwest Georgia in 2020 and there's a pandemic going on, then I can't help you there. It is good. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And his promises are the same yesterday, today, and forever. And his spirit is the same yesterday, today, and forever. All things pass away. All things become new. When I understand that, then he's my living water. Then he's my bread of life. Then he's my source. And he's my sufficiency. And he is glorified in my life by walking in the power of his spirit. You see, whenever Jesus is glorified, the Holy Spirit is in control. If we are living to glorify Jesus, then you can take it to the bank. The Holy Spirit's in control. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 20 and 21. Now the God of peace, who brought up from the dead the great shepherd of the sheep through the blood of the eternal covenant, even Jesus our Lord, equip you... In every, not just some, in every good thing to do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight. So three words, every, working, and pleasing. Through Jesus Christ, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. That word equip you in every good work, some of your translations may read, to make you perfect. It means to place a dislocated joint into place. So here's, here's what would have been understood in, in that verse. A doctor would understand it as setting a bone in place. A fisherman would have understood it as mending a net. A soldier would have understood it as equipping the army with all that needs to go into battle. So Jesus sent the Holy Spirit to empower, to enable, to equip us for life on earth. Now I've got good news. If you're saved, you have eternal life. I've got bad news. You may not have an abounding life. 
I'm not one who believes that the Bible teaches that you get your salvation and you lose it and you get it and you lose it and you get it and you lose it and you get it and you lose it. What if you were on that yo-yo up and down and up and down, get it and lose it, get it and lose it, and you start thinking you've lost it and suddenly your mind goes or you're incapacitated. So now God is bound by your physical condition? I don't think so. That would be inconsistent with the nature of Christ. That would be inconsistent with the Word of God. And, and what if you just got one more, one more sin? You commit one more sin and you're going to lose your salvation. And you're at the office and you get a paper cut. And you look at your finger and you say a dirty word and you die. And you get to the gates of heaven and Peter says, Well, son, I'm going to tell you what. You know what that paper cut cost you? It cost you heaven. You can't get in because you said a dirty word when you got that paper cut. And I'll tell you, if you believe that, you are of all people most miserable. Now, eternal security doesn't mean that you can act any way you want to act, but it means that God has secured your salvation by His blood, through His resurrection and His ascension, and promise that He will come to take you either from the grave or in the air. He's coming back, and He's got you. But have you given yourself fully to Him and abounding in your life? You see, the empowered life is made possible by the cross and the resurrection. And it is actualized by the indwelling and infilling of the Holy Spirit. See, I can't live this life apart from the cross and the resurrection. But it's actualized in me by the indwelling and filling of the Holy Spirit. I have what I cannot have on my own. I've been given what I did not deserve in salvation. I don't deserve the indwelling Holy Spirit. I deserve to be left to myself. But God in His grace and mercy has given us Himself. And the Spirit lives within us and one day will take us home. So what if we just prayed like this? Lord... I need you to fill me. And I know that for you to fill me, I need to empty myself of self. And Lord, you know how much myself and my flesh gets in the way. And I don't want to get in the way of what you have for my life. So like the old hymn says, I surrender all. All of me on the altar so that I can have all of you. Now, if you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, a lot of this hasn't made any sense. You need Jesus. But when you get Jesus, when you get born again, you get the Holy Spirit. He comes to indwell you. And today we're going to give you an opportunity to respond to Jesus for salvation. 
if you're living a defeated life and, and an uncertain life, if you don't know that you know that you know that you have eternal life, then today is the day of salvation. Today, now is the hour, today is the time. And we're going to do something we haven't done in a long time uh, because of all this pandemic, but we want to give you a chance to respond publicly to the gospel and to the call of Christ on your life. Uh, our staff will be at the end of the aisle, so have masks on. We'll practice social distancing. But if you need to give your life to Jesus Christ today, then in a moment when we stand and when the praise team begins to sing, then I'm going to ask you to step out from where you are, whether you're in the balcony or the back or the front, wherever you might be, and make sure that you know that you are saved. And then let us have the opportunity to talk to you. Our counselors will have masks on. We'll be in the chapel. There'll be social distancing in there. But don't make yourself socially distant from the Holy Spirit and what he's saying to you right now. Give your life to Jesus. And so I'm going to ask us to stand. And as we stand, if you need to be saved today, you step out and you come right now. If you need to settle it, you come as they sing.